When someone really believes in you, the energy changes. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore b-ball. Amazingly, in the last 24 hours, no free agency signing has gone down. So we've got none of that to talk about. But I will go through just some of the names who are remaining on the free agency market, the guys who haven't agreed to deals just so we've got an idea of which players are actually left over. We'll also be looking back at day six of Las Vegas Summer League action, the first day of the knockout round in uh, in Vegas of the tournament portion of that. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, so Michael Bolton. Let's get to it, to it. I know that, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know if you guys love it. I love playing the, the drops on this show. Um, My name is Jeff. Especially that one. That's one of, one of my favorites. Yes, I just want to tell a quick story. I was at the airport the other day. And at the airport, there's always people who are you know, you know, getting off planes and reunited with people, also meeting new people as, you know, oh, this is my friend giving me a lift. This is whatever, 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 you know, the story. So I'm standing there waiting and a group of people behind me uh, have come off the plane and they're getting introduced to someone else. And it's, it's this uh, old guy, maybe he's about 60 years old. He's standing there and introducing like, you know, Kevin, this is, uh, this is Jeff. Yep, doing that. So my my ears immediately pricked up. Jeff, all right, here we go. This is going to be something. So introducing, he gets about the fourth person. Uh, Jeff gets about the fourth person in the in the group, and literally the only four words out of his mouth as he spoke to this person were, "My name is Jeff." And uh, I just started laughing, standing in the airport by myself, laughing like a fool. People looking at me and have no idea why, just because of this. My name is Jeff. I was waiting for it. It happened. It couldn't have been a more perfect moment. And that is my slightly boring bullshit story of the day. Let's talk fantasy basketball now. Thanks to everyone who has filled in applications to be a part of the, the leagues for this season. Some people are getting confused. Oh, Josh, what's a redraft league? I just want a regular league. That's what a redraft league is, meaning it's not a dynasty league. It's not a keeper league. It gets redrafted every single year. So that is a redraft league in these Red Rock Challenge leagues. Go and fill out that form. You can find it in the show description of this podcast. You can find it on LockedOnFantasyBasketball.com on the uh, on the article for each uh, episode. You can also find it on my Twitter feed. You just put in what type of league you want, free or paid, roto, head-to-head, points, whichever one you want, put your email address in, and then next week, some invites will be going out. Now, with those invites, it's going to be, you're going to get links, and you click on the links and join the league that you want to join. It will be a first-come, first-served basis, so some people will miss out. Now, with the amount of people that have applied, especially for head-to-head leagues, I will likely be running a second tier of the Red Rock Challenge Leagues, the complete details of that have yet to be decided, but that likely will be the case because there's going to be tons of people that, that look to miss out on those on those first tier of the Red Rock Challenge, which uh, feeds into the Champions League, but we'll be opening up a second tier, almost guaranteed at this point. But there'll be Roto Leagues, there will be Points Leagues as well. We're going to be running tons and tons of leagues for the best fantasy basketball people so you get an excellent level of competition and get some really great drafts done as well. So make sure you are filling out that application. Let's talk about those free agents who are left over, just so we've got an idea of who hasn't signed deals. Clint Capella, we are we are aware of. I still imagine he will be going back to the Houston Rockets. Teams don't have max salary space to make that offer sheet. It's, uh, it's frustrating that Houston isn't making that deal, and they don't think he's worth that big money. 
He'll be back there, but it could really you know, create some tension for him heading into next offseason. Marcus Smart, the same thing. They're probably going to go back to Boston, but things aren't all that rosy between himself and the Celtics. We're hearing more movement on Smart, that he's been talking to the Nets, that there's potential sign-and-trade options with teams like the Grizzlies. Um, I think Smart's a really strong, positive contrib- contributor to winning basketball, and where he goes is going to be very, very interesting. Isaiah Thomas is still around. Who knows where he's going to go? It's not going to be Orlando. That's the obvious um, landing spot. Josh Robbins of the Orlando uh, Sentinel, who's the best Magic Beat reporter out there, has said it's not going to happen. The Magic aren't looking at any more free agents. They've got Jaron Grant. They've got DJ Augustine. They've got Isaiah Briscoe as their three-point guards, and that's the, the direction they're going. They're not looking at Isaiah Thomas, so I don't know where he's going to go, and I don't think he's going to get anywhere close. Someone asked me, oh, Josh, do you think Thomas will get back to 16, 17 Isaiah Thomas? No. I think there is zero chance of that. I think there's zero chance he ever gets back to that level. It was a great season. I just don't think it's ever happening again, which is, it's been a real weird turn with Isaiah. Jabari Parker is still available. The Duke, Wayne Ellington. Amazingly, Lance Stevenson got signed before Wayne Ellington. I have no idea why the Lakers wouldn't have gone after Ellington here instead of Lance. Just an absolute nonsense signing, and I can't believe that Wayne is still around. Rocket Rodney Hood, as a restricted free agent, is still around. I imagine he goes back to Cleveland. The table, Montrez Harrell, is still around. He'd likely be the backup to the Polish Hammer Marching Gortat in uh, in LA. But I could easily see Harrell becoming a guy that plays more minutes than Gortat. He's probably better than him at this point. Greg Munro. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. He's still available. Um, uh, Mike Beasley, Dwayne Wade. I'm not sure that Wade is actually coming back this season. I'm not even certain that Beasley gets a look at any team. He had some moments last season with the Knicks, but I'm not, he, nothing, he's a high priority guy. Shabazz Napier is an unrestricted free agent and no one's signing him. That's a little bit bizarre. I thought he had a really strong season. David West has gone from the Golden State Warriors. Will he retire or will he land somewhere else? Jamal Crawford declined his $4.4 million player option with the Timberwolves last season. He hasn't been signed anywhere. Will he sign someone for the veteran minimum? I don't know. Trevor Booker, Joe Johnson, um, these guys are still around. Brandon Wright, Vince Carter, Channing Fry, Uncle P, Nick Young, Jalil Okafor. I think there's zero chance that Jalil Okafor is on a roster. Alex Len. Um, I think Alex Len is an, is an interesting one. I, I, teams should definitely be having a look at him. I still think he's got some ability, and I think the Suns dicked him around quite a bit despite his struggles. So they're probably the main group of guys who are still available in free agency. So as you can see, there are still some names there who can be contributors, probably not standard league fantasy guys, except for your yeah, Clint Capella, um, maybe Rodney Hood, Jabari Parker, Marcus Smart, those sort of guys. But as the unrestricted guys, there's still some contributors available. Napier, uh, Greggy Munro can still contribute in certain situations. Um, Shabazz Napier is a contributor at times as well. Jamal Crawford can help him, although probably he helps less than what some people think that he actually helps. Let's talk some uh, some Summer League now. And I want to highlight a player who I thought was probably the best player from day six in Las Vegas, and that was Shea Gilgis-Alexander, or as uh, Kyle McEwen was uh, dubbing him, Alexander the Great. So let's go with uh, Gilgis-Alexander the Great. Really happy with that. He looks he looks fantastic. He looks like probably the best point guard in Vegas. 17-4-6, and six, three steals and a block, 50% from the field. He has been yeah, excellent across his four games in Vegas, averaging 19 Five and four with 2.3 steals and a block per game. 25% from three is not great shooting. 64% from the line is not great shooting, but he gets to the rim basically whenever he wants, and that's a huge, huge thing. Now, getting to the rim in the NBA versus Summer League is probably a different story, but he's looked so good with his handle, with his ability to finish on either side of his body. 
his defensive stuff. I think he's a he's a real up and coming stud. Getting minutes this season might be tough. I've talked about this with the Clippers so much. Patrick Beverly, Milos Teodosic, Avery Bradley, Lou Williams, Jawan Evans, Sindarius Thornwell, Jerome Robinson. There's so many guys here in terms of guards. Now he's clearly ahead of Evans, in my opinion. Thornwell, uh, Robinson, but there's still Beverly, Lou Williams, Avery Bradley, uh, who are and and probably Milos as well, who are ahead of him. So it's going to be hard for him to find that value this season. But coming up, I think he's a clear top 100 guy by the end of his rookie rookie contract uh, with top 50 type upside. So Shea Gilgis-Alexander looks like the best point guard in Vegas, better than guys like Colin Sexton, who played well. Um, uh, yeah, on, uh, on day six, uh, Trey Young, who played pretty well, uh, also, I think that, uh, that Gilgis Alexander has looked probably the best and has, uh, significant upside. Another one of these Kentucky guys, like the Fort Kevin Knox, who, when they're out of that Kentucky system, really have an opportunity to flourish. He did shoot 40% from three last season at Kentucky, only on 1.5 attempts per game. He was 23 of 57 for the season. So it's obviously a really small sample size, but more impressive than that is the fact that he was 82% from the line going 143 out of 174. Now, that's a much larger sample size. Got to the line almost five times per game at Kentucky. 1.7 steals, five assists, four rebounds. Uh, he, he is uh, really, really interesting. The Hornets, I don't think they should have been trading that pick uh, to the uh, to the Clippers. He would have been perfect to slide in there behind Kemba Walker, and they could have traded Kemba. Um, yeah, really, really interesting to see what, uh, what Shea is able to do, but he has been super impressive so far out here in Vegas. Well, not out here, because I'm not, I'm not in Vegas this year. I am still in Melbourne. I took my overseas trip to go to a wedding in Malaysia, so I didn't go to Vegas this year. Didn't want to, yeah, head back and then a week later head back to Vegas, but I almost undoubtedly will be back there next season and maybe make my way to Sacramento and or Utah as well for those separate summer leagues, but not there this year for the first time in four years, I believe, is the, is the, not that, um, First of all, I haven't been to Vegas in the last four years. Let's look at some other performances um, uh, from uh, from the uh, the game or the games. Um, on the Clippers, we talked about Shea already, but Angel Delgado, big man, really strong performance, 14 points and 10 boards, but the five steals were nice. He was a guy I was a little bit surprised was undrafted. He has signed a two-way deal, I believe. The Clippers still have those big men there with Gortat and perhaps Montrez Harrell around. But Delgado, maybe the Clippers were the team that definitely definitely utilized the two-way contracts better than anybody last season. So Delgado could find himself in a significant role, and he is a name to watch. Jerome Robinson also was pretty solid, 15 points, but it took him 13 shots to get there. I don't believe in Jerome at all. Uh, he hasn't shown me anything to change that opinion at this point, and he's going to be really, really buried on this, on this depth chart for at least this year. Reggie Upshaw had 24 and 9, a solid enough performance from him, while Thornwell struggled after a couple of strong summer league games. He only dropped in two points in his 24 minutes. On the Wizards, Devin Robinson continues to kill summer league. 26 and 11, a steal, a block, 69% shooting. Giggity! From the field, he has dominated almost every game he has played for the Wizards. A two-way guy last season could find himself on the main roster. And as a guy who, if we see a little bit less of someone like uh, Markeith Morris with more Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter at the three and the four, we could see Devin Robinson getting some more minutes. But I would I would hope that he's able to elevate himself over some of the players who are on the main roster. He has been excellent. Thomas Bryant wasn't quite as good as in this one after his two strong performances, but eight and seven, and the same for Troy Brown, whose shooting really did lack here. He has only hit one three across all four games, 10-4-2 in 31 minutes. 
Uh, Yusuf Sanon didn't do it too, too much. Did have two steals. He's a guy who can get steals as a point guard. He won't be in the NBA this season, but a name to, to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, so, so some decent enough performances from the Washington Wizards. The next game, the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is, again, a real Justin Jackson game. 20 points, but 24 shots. That is, that's real, real ugly. He was, um, 29% from the field, 7 of 24, 2 of 12 from 3, had 4 rebounds with 0 assists, 0 steals, 0 blocks. I know I harp on this all the time. Um, at least for this with Jackson, it wasn't one of those games where he scores 20 points on 70% shooting and then does nothing else. He um, he didn't shoot well at all and still got to 20 points, but because his usage was out of control, which he's never going to be able to do on this Kings team that has a Bogdan Bogdanovich, Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Buddy Heald, uh, Zach Randolph. He's just never going to get these touches, even if he is the starting small forward, and I think he has very minimal value. Harry Giles flashed interesting assist numbers, six assists, seven, five, and six. Yeah, decent numbers. He is going to be in that mix, but there's too many big men in that front court to really think that any of them have significant upside for this season. Well, Zach August had 19 and 9 and a triple one. He flashed quite a bit of potential for the Lakers last year in Summer League. Uh, could find himself on a roster, but I wouldn't be getting overly excited about, uh, about Zach. The Cavs, Colin Sexton, probably his best game, 25, 4, and 7, 60% shooting. I still don't fully believe in him at the 8 pick. I don't believe in him as a long-term great player. I also don't really believe in him as having massive value for this season. Jordan Clarkson, George Hill, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, all these guys are still around for the Cavs. And you could say it makes sense for them to sell off assets like Hill or Smith or Kevin Love. But Kobe Altman reckons they're not doing that. So until that happens, Sexton's likely going to be on the bench, playing 20 minutes a night and not a standard league type of player. He will struggle with his efficiency. He's not a great assist man, even though he got seven here. I just don't really believe in Colin Sexton's defensive ability, his passing ability, his shot selection. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of him. Jamal Artis had 14 and seven here. He played for the Magic last season, while Bill Preston, their two-way guy, has looked okay. Hasn't looked great. Five-star recruit who didn't play in college last season. Not a lot else really happening with this uh, with this Cavs team, but a, a strong performance from Big Colin Sexton. Anyway. The uh, next lot of games we'll take a look at, the Nets and the Rockets. Theo Pinson, 14-4-5, a steal, two blocks, four triples, a very strong performance from Pinson. He signed, I believe, a two-way deal with the Nets. A guy I was a little bit surprised it didn't get drafted. A name to watch for those uh, those two-way guys who can come in and be a, a deeper league contributor, but nothing too exciting about him. Jarrett Allen, 13-11 and 11 with a block, a, a strong performance there, but very little else happening with this uh, with this Nets team. Um, the Rockets team is you know, way more exciting because D'Anthony Melton is playing and had 17-5-4, three steals, a block, and three triples. Absolute nonsense that he didn't get picked in the first round. Absolute nonsense that he failed to pick 46. In terms of value for this upcoming season, he's probably in the worst spot he could be in playing behind James Harden and Chris Paul. Long-term, with Mike D'Antoni as his coach, with all the work he's done on his shot, this could work out fantastically for him, whether it's part of a trade or in a couple of years' time when he's pushing into a larger role, maybe taking on the Eric Gordon role that he currently holds for the Houston Rockets. I think that Melton is a top 20 uh, fantasy prospect. I was much higher on him uh, before Summer League in terms of you know, relative to his draft position, and nothing has really changed there. I'm actually probably higher on him now than I was than I was back then. If you've got a, a dynasty rookie draft pick in the 20s, in the in the late teens, 
he is the guy that I'd be looking at, no doubt about it. Daniel House played well. He's been really good in summer league, 18 and 8 with two blocks. While Joe Chi also had a, a strong, strong performance, 17 and 7, a steal and three blocks. One of those great per minute type of guys from the Chinese league. It's going to be hard for him to get the minutes in Houston. Same with Isaiah Hartenstein. But these are two really strong analytics guys, strong players in terms of their fantasy projection. So it's always about, can we get an opportunity for these guys? And if they do, will they be able to succeed? I think that if they do, they will be able to succeed. But getting that opportunity is probably going to be the tough thing for both uh, Joe and for Hartenstein, but two names definitely to pay attention to. And I've got to give a shout out to the Aussie Deng Adele, who had 13-3-2 with three triples, a steal and a block, and he has played well in summer league and probably should find himself with a nice G League contract and maybe find himself on a couple of 10 days at the end of the season somewhere. A name to watch. I thought he's been, uh, he's been relatively, uh, relatively productive. The Chicago Bulls and the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Antonio Blakeney should actually fell for him, which is good. 28 points, 4 assists, 4 triples, a perfect 10 of 10 from the line. Just not my type of player at all. But I have to give yeah, credit here to Chandler Hutchison. 16 and 11, he had 3 triples, 3 assists, and 3 steals. Didn't get the big assists like he did in the last game, but looked comfortable. And a realistic chance to be a starting small forward for this Bulls team. Whether that will be opening night or not, I'm not sure. Do they put Justin Holiday? Do they go with the hammer? Denzel Valentine there. Hutchison, I think, by uh, January will be better than all those guys. And can have a, or does have a, a decently friendly or fantasy friendly type of game. The Block Panther, Wendell Carter Jr. looks fantastic. 19 and 9 in a steal. And I think the Bulls would be silly not to start him. I know Robin Lopez is solid. Great veteran. Play Robin Lopez as your backup. Um, trade Robin Lopez. Do whatever. Carter is the future. You gotta see him and Markinen together. Definitely a guy, Wendell Carter, that if he's available in the last two or three rounds of a draft, I would take that flyer on him, especially if we hear that he's not going to start initially. I'd take that flyer and then see what happens after a month. Um, he's a top 80 guy if he gets 30 minutes a night. That might be a stretch early on, but that's, that's how good I think he can be. Dante Ingram played fairly well, as did Ryan archer Jackano in this game. Some decent enough performances, but it's really all about Hutchison and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. On the Mavericks side of things, the golf ball race balding, he looked pretty comfortable. Knocked down the three, nine points uh, and a triple one. Looked pretty good out there, while Kyle Collinsworth had a 14 and 10 double-double. He's been waived by the Mavs. I don't think he's going to be brought back. It's also probably the best game from the burn at Jalen Brunson. Shot terribly, but did hit two threes, have two steals and have seven assists. Yogi Ferrell, Dennis Smith, Luka Doncic, JJ Barea. Brunson's very far down the pecking order there in Dallas. Don't expect too much for him. Maybe a couple of years on, he can move into a JJ Barea role. He's got a long way to go, though. Defensive stuff from Costa Sato de Kumpo, two steals and a block as well. And uh, he's been doing that defensively. I'm not too sure about his overall upside as we, uh, as we move forward into his NBA career. Detroit and Minnesota, great game from Brucey Brown. 15, 11, and 6 with 5 steals and a block. That is a very complete performance. I love the two picks that the Pistons made in this draft, Brucey Brown and Kyrie Thomas, their ability to generate steals. They can hit threes. They can pass the ball, play that combo guard sort of role. Brown was injured last season for Miami, shot poorly, but I thought he's looked really impressive out there. Reggie Bullock, Luke Kennard, Stan Johnson, uh, the little dog, Glenn Robinson the third. These are the twos and the threes in Detroit. Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith and Jose Calderon at the one. Not that Brown is going to play a ton at the one. But there's no yeah, real bona fide star. I think Kennard is still the best option out of all of those players. But Brown is definitely a name to watch for in the future. And I've been impressed with what he's done. Henry Allenson just cannot do shit, really. 
7.7 rebounds, took 17 shots. He definitely has the green light. He probably shouldn't, Justin Holiday style, but he's got that green light. Nothing is going down. It has not been good for Allenson coming into his third NBA season. My hope for him is dying. On the Timberwolves side, Josh Okoji, the defensive stuff's been real impressive, and that will at least um, make Tom Thibodeau like him, even though he is a rookie with the fact that he is so good defensively. Two steals and four blocks, seven points and five rebounds. Derek Rose is unfortunately going to fill the Jamal Crawford role. I would love to see Okoji in that role, but could Okoji fill in the Nemanja Bielitsa role as the backup at the three? Unfortunately, every um, Timberwolves starter is going to play 40 minutes a night, so there's going to be no minutes around. In a couple of years' time, when Jimmy Butler leaves or they trade Andrew Wiggins, Okoji could be in there and have a couple of top 100 years. Kata Bates-Diop has also been impressive the last couple, 16-9 and nine with a steal and two blocks. Again, just we'll see. No minutes. We'll, actually, if I set the over-under on Bates-Diop minutes for this season, I would set it at 50. Do you think Kata Bates-Diop will play over 50 minutes this season, total or under? Let me know. Tweet at me at RedRock underscore Beeble. Do you think that Bates Diop will be over under 50 minutes for the season? Emil Jefferson, another 15 boards. Very, very strong rebounder. That is always going to be something to pay some attention to, given how strong he is on the boards. The Hawks and the Pacers. Tyler Dorsey, 24-8-5. Six triples, two steals, and a block. I don't believe in Dorsey really as an NBA player. He has these uh, flashes uh, at times. He, he, he looked good here. He struggles other times. Kent Bazemore's not a great player. Follow Hawks at the two, so maybe Dawson can get some minutes. I still believe in DeAndre Bembry there. There's Jalen Adams and Jalen Morris around too. Yeah, this is good. He's probably too good for Summer League Dorsey, which he clearly wasn't last season as a rookie. But I don't have much upside hope for him. Well, Trey Young, 23 points, 8 assists, 2 steals. Really did win the game here for the, the Hawks. I can't wait to speak to Kyle McEwen next week about Trey Young. He is, uh, he's got some thoughts on Trey Young, which we'll talk about next week. But Young, I thought, was great here. His ability to generate assists score, get steals, not a good defender. I think Young's going to be fine. Anyone talking of him being a bust at this point, I think he's overreacting to it. I'm not, you know, some people had him as number one on their draft board. I thought that was utter nonsense. Um, him going at about six or seven in the draft, I thought it would have been the right spot. Uh, he's got a real chance to be a top 70 guy for this season, depending on the Dennis Schroeder situation. The wizard Amari Spellman had 13 and 9. I don't really believe in him. While Jalen Adams, I do like him. 8, 4, and 4 with two steals continues to, uh, continues to impress. For the Pacers, Aaron Holiday didn't shoot well. 13 points on 17 shots, but he's shown me more than I expected. Nine assists, three steals, and a block. Darren Collison, Corey Joseph. Could he move ahead of Corey Joseph this season? Absolutely he could. But the problem is Tyreek Evans is there as well. He'll play a ton of point guard, so I don't imagine we see lots of Aaron Holiday. And I don't think we'll ever really get many, if any, top 100 Aaron Holiday seasons in the NBA. Edmund Sumner looked good, as did Elise Johnson, who had 12 and 14. Or TJ Leaf continues to be just shithouse, really. I'm not really sure he is going to be an NBA player at any point, unfortunately, after taking him uh, ahead of OG Ananobi last season. Speaking of the Jedi. Hello there. The Toronto Raptors had a win over the Nuggets. Ananobi had 22 and 4. He had a block. The blocks are back for Ananobi. Is this a, a fact that he's now over a year removed from ACL surgery? He's blocking shots pretty much every game in Summer League, which is why, in one of the reasons, one of the confusing things with his value last year, he blocked nothing. So if that can come back into his game, if he can get the offense going, shot the ball well here, 53% on 17 attempts. I think he's got top 50 upside. He's definitely got top 100 upside. Probably not for this season. 
There's a massive rumor going around that Kawhi Leonard is going to head, be heading to Toronto, so that's interesting. Does the Jedi move back in a package for uh, Kawhi? The interesting thing at the moment, and this is all speculation, is DeMar DeRozan apparently has deleted all Raptors uh, mentions off his Instagram page. Kawhi has, uh, the Raptors have shortened to be the favorite for the team to acquire Kawhi Leonard. So is it a DeRozan and Ananobi package? Or is it Darrell, uh, not Darrell, DeLon Wright who goes back? Keep an eye on it. I think that the Jedi has got significant top 50 upside with top 100 upside in the next two years. Um, but so much there could change with him. So just something to pay some attention to, but I uh, really loved his performance here. have to give a shout-out to Chris Boucher as well. 12, is it Boucher or Boucher? I don't know. 12.6 rebounds with two steals and six blocks. He was a Golden State Warriors two-way guy last year. Big performance from him. I don't see too much for him in the future. But I do see it for Monty Morris, my man, Denver Nuggets point guard. 21.7 assists. Just make him a full a full roster spot guy, make him the backup point guard in Denver, and I'll be happy. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I think he should. He's been excellent through summer league. He can rack up assists, he can score and do it efficiently, and deeper league should absolutely be jumping on him. Malik Beasley also looks good in his third year, 19-5 and five with three steals. Where does he fit? Does he move into that fart and Will Barton role now that uh, Baby Neck Wilson Chandler has gone? Keep an eye on Beasley. He looks uh, he looks much better this season. Kendrick Williams has struggled. I was pretty high on Williams. He's struggled a lot in summer league, which is uh, somewhat disappointing. The Warriors, just a real boring summer league team. Twenty points for Marcus Derrickson with that uh, Jordy Bell out. Four rebounds and two steals. He's not going to be an impactful guy. Yeah, JP Tokoro, Kendrick Nunn, they didn't do too much. Very little to like about this Warriors team with Jordan Bell out. On the Hornet side of things, Bill Hearn and Gomez banged in two threes. He's hitting them pretty comfortably. 18 and 13 for Billy with two blocks. I think he will be the backup behind Cody Zeller, and I think he is worth a pick. I think the upside's limited, though, until Zeller goes down. Miles Bridges looks more comfortable now, 17 and 8, and the Baconator, Dwayne Bacon, had 19 points. Not much else really happening on this Hornets team. Arnoldus Kabolka, their second-round pick, had a good first game and has struggled since. But Miles Bridges, just not sure the minutes are all actually pretty confident the minutes aren't going to be there for Miles this coming season. And he is not... Uh, I would have him behind McCall Bridges at this point uh, in terms of dynasty value and, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's still got some value, but I have some uh, IQ issues with him. His basketball IQ stuff leaves a little bit to be desired. That'll wrap it up for all of day six, the first day of the knockout stage of Las Vegas Summer League. I'll be back on uh, Sunday night, Monday, to wrap up the weekend from Vegas, and then we'll have a couple of guests on next week. Jacob Goldstein, Jackson Hoy, Kyle McEwen, they'll all be coming on to give their thoughts on Summer League and other goings on around the NBA, and probably next week also be doing a show on Dynasty Leagues, how to set them up, different types of settings, ways to go through, and get the best experience out of your Dynasty League. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at redrock underscore Beeble and leave a review for this show, Apple Podcasts, five stars all the time. And you can also find us on Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. And on YouTube, smash the red subscribe button below, give me a thumbs up, and leave a comment all about doing that. Check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Ronde Hollis Jefferson.